This is a Spirit of Truth Radio Network original program. Whether it be a Eucharistic Congress, men's or women's conference, or even a parish mission, the quality of the event will always be judged by the quality of the speakers. Joining me along the way to give some insight on what it takes to run a successful event is the COO of the Catholic Speakers Organization, Joe Higgins. Joe, welcome. Thank you, Dave. Good to be here. I just wanted to say that I'm starting my speaking career, and I'm starting with what I wanted to be was the the best uh, group of people that I could be around, and that is the Catholic Speakers Organization. To me, I looked around and I saw the quality of people that were involved with this organization, and I said, that's the organization I want to be involved with. So full disclosure, I am a member of the Catholic Speakers Organization and I'm proud to be. And you are the COO of Catholic Speakers Organization. Joe, tell me a little bit about Catholic Speakers. Yes, yeah. Thanks, thanks, David. We're we're very very happy to have you, and we're honored to be working with you and in, in this partnership and endeavor of evangelizing souls. So appreciate uh, what you do and all the work that you do. And we're looking forward to con- doing whatever we can to to expand on that and, and provide more opportunities. Yeah, as far as um, what, what I do, um, what the Bureau does itself, um, we are the largest Catholic-focused Speakers Bureau in the world, found, and first founded back in 2006. Believe it or not, there still wasn't anything around back then. So we are going on 16 years now, and um, we, over, over the 16 years, currently working with over 400 Catholic speakers and musicians of all walks of life that speak on uh you know, a variety of topics, um, anywhere G or apologetics, anything related to spiritual warfare, all, all of these these topics. We are very blessed uh, to be doing the work that we're doing. And um, as our mission statement is uh, evangelizing the word of God through those that do it best, which is our speakers. What makes a good speaker? What makes a good speaker to me would, um, that's a good question, but I, I kind of defer to, you know, the speakers that have their own testimony. Now, it doesn't, you know, there's many different kinds. You know, you have testimony from people who are, are cradle Catholics, like myself, for example, that, you know, never necessarily lost their way or anything, just, you know, kept kept going with their faith, but learned a lot along the way. And then maybe certainly there was times where they were a little bit more into their faith than others, but but still, um, the, the belief was always there. And um, to to the other spectrum, which is, you know, people that are sharing their conversion stories or their reversion stories. So personal testimony is to me is is a is a huge part of it. Obviously being relatable, uh, being able to communicate both lived and learned. So it's it's I, I, that's kind of what I would go with as far as that answer, as far as having that personal touch that that human to human sort of relationship and able to share their their love of, of Christ and, and their faith and, and, you know, their passion of wanting to bring, bring people closer to him. I think it's really funny, though, 2006, there was nothing else out there. And along comes Catholic Speakers Organization. How did you get started? Yeah, so um, our, our founder and CEO, Joe Condit, um, originally founded the organization as CMG Booking, which stood for Catholic Media Group. And um, he was inspired, um, actually, via his, his younger sister, who at the time was still in high school, 17, 18 years old, 
and was going around the uh, Cincinnati area, which is where Joe Condit is really from, and giving giving talks to other youth and other high schoolers and and, and below on chastity and, and and living your living your life for for Christ. So he was really inspired by that because he would you know come home and visit and and see that she was you know had quote unquote sold out gymnasiums and uh, Christina was her name and now Jacobine who we still represent to this day with her um, husband Patrick you know just asked her you know what what you know how many do you do this often and like do you by the way like do you get paid for this and and she was like paid nah I don't know maybe like 50 bucks 100 bucks something like that and you know as you know the the time commitment involved with preparing talks because most speakers do not have sort of canned talks per se that they give and they, they pray on it and they uh, research and do do different things with preparing for talks. So he just thought, wow, that, that's pretty amazing. But also there's it's, there's got to be other Christinas out there uh, that are doing this and um, just for, the, for their love for, for their faith. And so that's kind of where it got spawned. And he immediately just started researching and finding more people like Christina and, you know, eventually just continued to grow. And, and we've had, you know, speakers that we've been working with since the beginning, you know, others that we've, we've been working with for over 10 years and five years and, and to, you know, for someone like yourself for, for a little less than a year. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's kind of that's kind of where it got started and the inspiration behind it. Catholic Speakers handles everything from very large men's conferences and women's conferences down to parish missions. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So basically the way that we work, I guess for layman's terms, it's we're, we're more or less an agency. So we so we represent our speakers and we field all of the invitations and requests that they get to go and give talks at parishes for Lenten or Advent missions for men's or women's conferences, as you said, Eucharistic congresses, where there they have, you know, over 30 speakers during one weekend, for example. So we handle everything from that standpoint, logistics regarding that, as well as putting on events and conferences, both big and small, anywhere from, you know, a couple hundred people to thousands of people. And, and part of the process with working with us and we, have, we go through a very rigorous uh, process, background checks and, and different certifications you have to have to, to be represented by us is, you know, we, we definitely want to make sure that we are working with people that not only have their faith, but are also um, teaching, uh, you know, giving talks and testimony that are within the truths of the Catholic Church, that uh, they are practicing Catholics and not doing anything that goes against the, in their even in their daily lives that go against the church and its teaching. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I just recently went through the, the background check and everything. And, and uh, I was amazed at how, how in depth it was and um, the, the number of people that I had to have, you know, write letters for me and things like that, which I think is great. And I, and I, I totally agree with that. You recently, and this is why you were so busy and, and we wanted to have you on a long time ago, but you were just getting ready for your conference out in, in Cincinnati and you, you were just so out. You couldn't even scratch out an hour for for an interview. You you were so busy. Um, but we did have a couple of conversations yeah. in that time. Tell me about that that uh, conference. How did that go? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, <laughs> thank you, and and Dave uh, for for your guys' patience as uh, these last couple months. Is yes, it has been pretty crazy. Um, so one of the many in, uh, initiatives or projects that we do. 
is the Cincinnati Men's Conference. So a uh, little quick, very quickly, uh, the Cincinnati Men's Conference was actually the very first Catholic Men's Conference of its kind here in the United States. Um, back in 1994, four guys in, in Madeira, Ohio, along with their priest, spiritual director, um, they, they met and were talking about, you know, how to bring men together um, in fellowship and, and to help try and learn and, and to continue to grow uh, fellowship groups so long, you know, around the archdiocese and then hopefully, you know, around around the whole country. And so they got together and put on the very first Catholic men's conference in the country and did it until 2011. And at its peak, they were bringing, you know, they were attracting over 10, 12,000 guys, you know, in the tri-state area and really from all over. Uh, because again, there was really nothing like this around. And then eventually, you know, more as, as what they had hoped, more and more cities and dioceses started putting them on. But, but over the years, they, they kind of, you know, they, they certainly were getting older. And obviously, it's a lot to put on a major conference like that with thousands of, you know, attendees and speakers and, you know, audio and visual and, and all those logistics, food, the men especially are very care very much about what they <laughs> what they are eating as they're being spiritually fed. Mm-hmm. Um, we decided to bring the conference back because unfortunately it stopped in 2011. So Joe Condit, our CEO and founder, who who currently is uh, hails from Austin, Texas, since 2013, decided to he, he really wanted to bring it back. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, bring it, bring the conference back to his roots in Cincinnati, Ohio, and so in. 2017, we began planning that, and and we put one on every year, starting in in the spring of 2018, with the exception of 2020 during COVID. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this past year, we had uh, an incredible support system behind us with with organizations and people wanting to help and, and bring, put it on. And the conference headlined by Jim Caviezel, um, who, who your listeners may remember as he played Jesus in the Passion of the Christ movie with Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. Raymond Arroyo from EWTN, mm-hmm. and then David B. Wright, who was the former CEO of, of 40 Days for Life. Um, he also acted as our MC for the day, and we held it at Fifth Third Arena, the University of Cincinnati, the best their basketball arena. And we attracted just about 3,000, unofficially, just about 3,000 men from, from all ages, from, you know, our grandfathers to fathers to sons and high school and college kids. And, and it, was, uh, it was an incredible day that we had this uh, back in the beginning of April. One thing I could say, Joe, my observation of men's conferences is this. Acquaintances become friends and friends become brothers. Mm. And you look forward to seeing those people at the, at the conference next year or... You start to, you know, develop that friendship and, and the friendship grows outside of that conference, but the roots are in those conferences and the and the good things that are shared on that day. That makes yeah. any sense to you. No, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And and really, you know, again, back to the like sort of the, the history of it is is it kind of was spawned by the men's fellowship groups, right? And then they, they wanted to not only grow their own, but also provide, you know, give other men the opportunity and the tools to do it in their own parishes, to continue to grow that community and that fellowship, as you said, to go from acquaintances to, to friends and from friends to brothers. And and so, you know, the conference itself is is just the culmination of that in, in providing uh, these men not only one day 
out of the year to all come and have fellowship together and, and learn with each other different testimonies, whether it be from the speakers or, you know, another huge part of it is the all of the um, vendors, which we call solution booths that we have at the conference, which are resources, ministries and organizations that are doing things in their own communities, in their own backyards that these guys may or may not even know about to and provide help. It could be anything from, you know, Catholic charities to uh, Solidarity Health Share, which provides health care support there to pornography addiction resources to, you know, all of these things that everybody needs, but especially, you know, with men kind of struggle with uh, these types of things and providing tools and networking as well. Just getting to know, you know, you, a lot of times we hear stories of guys that, that know people from their own parish that they didn't know were interested in this type of stuff. Or, you know, as guys are generally speaking, they're very kind of like shielded when it comes to their faith. They don't, you know, they're not necessarily the most vocal about it or emotional about it. Um, so to to add a little bit of a wrinkle to even what you said, the acquaintances and becoming friends and friends becoming brothers, it's like, yeah, because these, these guys, a lot of them don't even know um, what, what each other are going through you know, in, in their daily lives, both good and bad. You mm-hmm. know, it, it is a wonderful opportunity for, for these men to really continue to grow. And especially, you know, we, we try to keep things up to certainly not to conform or anything like that to the culture we live in today. But certainly, you know, we always have people giving their talks or testimony that is relative, you know, related to, you know, what we're currently going through. You know, for this, for example, this this past year, the theme was evil prevails when good men do nothing. You know, there's been a lot of things that we've all been going through with related, you know, whether it's the pandemic or the you know, political or cultural climate that we're living in today. And I don't, you know, want to go down that road necessarily, but it's just, there's a lot of sort of just bad things that just seem to be in our lives just constantly and we're constantly being reminded of it. And so that theme was very important for us to, you know, when we came to that decision and for the speakers to uh, give testimony with. Mm. When you're putting together a conference, because you said something to me a little bit earlier about how important personal testimonies are to you, how important is it to have a balance of, say, catechesis and the uh, personal testimony stories? Um, it is very important. I would just say from experience of putting on the different events of, of again, different sizes and, and, and thematically, it, it is very important to have balance because most people, again, let's say this, most people can, can sit through and, and listen to a 40 minute talk on, you know, catechesis or, or theology of the body or, or something, whatever, whatever topic you want to choose. Right. Yep. But they need to have that sort of personal testimony, that that human touch sort of feel to it in a way, so that they can not necessarily to the so that they can relate from the, like experiencing it themselves, but so that they can relate on it on that human level of look, you're you're you know twenty feet away from me up there on a podium sharing something that I've either experienced myself or I've thought about or or I know somebody that's gone through this, and so. To me, it is it is extremely important to have that balance because, I mean, we can only take in so much knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, speaking for myself, but I believe for the general <clears throat> public and what we hear back from from attendees and the feedback and stuff is that you can only take in so much knowledge. But that but that real life experience and that you know love and loss and, and, and 
you know, all of those different emotions is something that stays with us. And instead of, you know, kind of, and, and we want that because we don't want, the last thing we want is these guys to come and get all pumped up and, you know, rah, rah, and, and that sort of thing on a Saturday. And then Sunday they're in church and then they kind of rest and they have their day. And then Monday they're back to work. And by Tuesday, they're back into their normal routine, you know? So mm-hmm. it's just, we want to, we want to leave them with a good impression from that standpoint of getting something that they can take home with them and immediately start discussing with their wives or their, their children, you know, their sons, what, what, whatever. And, but also again, continuing to provide them with, with things that they can continue to build on with their journey. Well, one of the things that I hope to bring to the Catholic speakers organization is, is an ability to focus my talk directly towards the theme of the, the uh, retreat or the, or the conference would be. I recently had a, uh, conversation with a director of one of the men's conferences. I'm not going to say which state it was. We talk about balance and themes, and there's a conference coming up in uh, the near future that is all priests, and there is no laity involved with, uh, as, as far as the speakers go. I personally, I'm not a fan of that formula. I think it shows a disconnect so, what, so if you don't mind me asking, like, what was the, what's the intent behind behind the event? Is like, is it is it like we were just talking about a men's conference? So, is it supposed to be a men's conference or is it? It is a men's conference. More geared. Oh, it is a men's. It's conference. a men's okay. conference, and it's an all day affair, and um, they have uh, a couple of priests that are coming up, well known mm-hmm. priests, uh, bishops, two bishops, and two priests are there. There are yeah. four speakers throughout the day, and. To me, I, I just I don't care for the, the format. The the director does not believe, I guess, in uh, uh, personal testimony, and I think that you lose so much connection. And, and what you'd said about you know the guy gets back Monday morning and he's back to his, his old old routine, mm-hmm. you've, you've got to have that connection with people, and the, and the way that connection is made is through the personal, I've been there type of uh, a talk. This particular director doesn't care for those types of talks. He just wants the catechetical types of talk. Yeah, I mean, I, I, um, I guess just putting it on its face like that, it's it's hard for me to say, because um, I would I would like to comment on, but without you know passing judgment per se, is that certainly there is a lot to be learned from our our, our priests and our clergy and bishops, and um, so I don't certainly think that there is value in that. And I mm-hmm. will also say um, that. You know, speaking from from our from our bureau is that you know we have we have priests that we work with and represent that that are lives you know sort of like live live the life um, before before becoming priests and so that they have that sort of you know it's not like they just went to the sim only been a priest which I say that very sarcastically because obviously priests are very important so you know I would just say from that standpoint you never know I mean depending on if if you who the speak the priests are that are scheduled to speak. Yeah. I mean, it's that, that certainly isn't a formula that we would do. Um, we certainly always love to have a priest be at least one of the speakers mm-hmm. for, for the conference. It wasn't able to work out this past year, although we did have mass. And so the priest celebrated mass gave, give a, give a short, you know, homily on the theme of the, for the conference before proceeding with mass, which, Again, I, I got to tell you, David, I'm, I'm blown away more and more every year on the number of guys that show up for mass and adoration mm-hmm. at this conference because we kind of do it in the reverse and that we have most conferences will have the mass and adoration at the end of the day. 
we, we like to do it first thing, start the day with prayer and, and you know, and the, with that mindset and then going, going through the day. But I mean, again, we had over, I would say 12, maybe 1500 guys there at the venue at 7am sharp waiting outside to come in and or 6 30 7 a.m sharp waiting outside to come in and, and all amazing. attending mass together so you know on a first saturday of april you got all the excuses in the world you can make you know not to get up that early and, and all that stuff so that's always wonderful so um again i think it's important to have the balance to have but but certainly i hope that uh there is and pray that there will be a lot of fruit coming from that from that event that you refer to how do you keep the costs where people can afford them and yet still, I don't know if you make a profit or not, but, you know, Dave Imhoff and I, we, we do a lot of, you know, days of reflection and, and we get the Knights of Columbus to help us out like that. So we don't charge, you know, how do you, how do you judge what's the right, the right price to charge? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. And you will find that for someone like myself and our team, is that when it comes to costs, because <laughs> we deal with it on an on everyday basis when it works with dealing with our, you know, trying to get working with our speakers to get booked for events, costs is a, is, is a huge thing with, with people coming to us with their budgets that they have to bring in a speaker. So cost is a, is a huge thing. And what, you know, what we try to do is, is certainly to make it as affordable as possible. Mm-hmm. Because we, we know that, especially, you know, especially over the last, what we've all had to go through over the last two and a half years plus or so uh, with the pandemic and so many people without work and or less hours, all sorts of things more so than, than in, you know, years past. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's a lot of planning. It's a lot of volunteers that certainly come up, step up and, and, and are willing to help in place of having to use paid labor different things i mean it's it's all different but for the conference itself it it is a lot of effort a lot of coordination certainly raising funds through sponsorship Mm -hmm. as as well as we can and then of course there's the money that we you know our organization puts out to to put on the conference itself as well to keep it going and so it it is uh it's a good system i believe what we have as far as um, keeping things as cost effective as possible Um, and it also just depends on what you're doing. I mean, this was the, since we brought it back in 2018, this was the largest venue we've ever held at. Um, we decided to, you know, basically just put everything on the line and all we've, what we've been through Mm -hmm. the last couple of years, both, um, from a worldly, but spiritual perspective as well. So we just swam, swang for the fences, you know, and and just decided to, to hold the the biggest event we've, we've ever put on uh, the Cincinnati conference. And it was, yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was very great. I mean, certainly we would have loved to have had, had more, um, every guy counts mm-hmm. and we know there's a lot more than 3000 guys in, in the Cincinnati area. Sure. I mean, we had people coming from, from Michigan, West Virginia and Pittsburgh and, you know, Kentucky, Indiana, you know, people, even some people came, flew in from California and drove, drove out from Pennsylvania, North Carolina, you know, and, and so, uh, certainly we would love to, but, the, but again, all it takes is uh, for one guy to convert or, or revert back to the faith and it's all worth it, you know? So exactly. having more people in the seats certainly um, increases the odds of, of <laughs> hopefully mm-hmm. that happening. 
but again, we're very happy with with the turnout and um, just hope to continue building on it. Let's uh, switch gears for a minute. You mentioned yeah. a couple times the the pandemic. You know, what, what kind of work were you doing during the pandemic? Yeah, so the the pandemic, uh, as as many sort of quote unquote industries will, will test, uh, was certainly a huge deterrent to to what we do with you know public speaking and live in person events. So mm-hmm. you know when the pandemic first hit and in the first period of lockdowns and things started in March of 20 it uh you know we had over 300 events postpone slash you know cancel between March and April of 2020 so fortunately um but we've we've you know we've been able to reschedule and get you know all almost 96 percent or 97 percent of those events that were originally booked throughout that entire year but but fortunately we we were pretty well equipped to move forward with with doing things online and virtually as we had already been been testing things out over the past year year plus with wanting to do have more of a online presence mm-hmm. and so you know through the grace of god we were you know about as well prepared as we possibly could have been in my opinion sort of pivot now certainly was it's definitely not the same but to still have the opportunity to bring people together during that, that very tough time, um, you know, it was, it was wonderful. So that's, that's what we did. We, we moved to, um, an online, you know, whether it be, you know, meeting monthly meetings that are for speakers that they did through zoom or, um, even conferences that they did mm-hmm. on different platforms. And we, we also produced and put on our own conferences, uh, virtual conferences as well. You're still doing that? We are, we are um, definitely not at the at the pace we were previously because as things have opened up more for in person live events, we've certainly kind of pivoted back to that. Uh, thankfully, because you know that's just that's just where it needs to be. You know, you need to have that person person you know sort of touch and interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, we, we do still um, do different things with regards to virtual or online engagements, uh, conferences, or fundraisers, or or even just different video series that, that we do, um, including one that we had uh, started at the beginning of the pandemic called Inspire Word, which was a, or is, a, a series for not only virtual, but also in-person mm-hmm. uh, events. And, and so we also have a sort of a podcast arm for that as well, uh, where we interview top speakers and personalities, Catholic personalities across the country during the pandemic and just talk with them about how they were dealing with the pandemic and trying to provide encouragement for people. So you can find out more and info on that at inspireword.com. Nice. Hey, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but would you be interested in uh, possibly working together to do a uh, Father McGivney, bless, a blessed Father McGivney day of reflection? I would definitely be interested for sure. Yeah. Uh, we through, actually, through the Knights of Columbus, yeah. We've actually developed a format. Well, Dave Imhoff is actually, my producer has actually developed a format that we followed and uh, actually we're going to be doing something similar to it into the breach day of reflection over in Ireland on uh, this Saturday. So, um, wow. Yeah. Uh, Dave, you got any questions? As you guys were talking about uh, themes and things like that, you know, what jumped in my head is the whole Eucharistic revival. It's going to be a three year process. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you tell, I mean, is there, is that 
factor into any of your plans, Joe, as far as where you're going and making that any kind of themes and or seems like a long time to me. Um, and I'm really looking forward to how it is all going to play out and how, how we can, you know, take advantage of um, learning more about the Eucharist and and bringing more people, bringing them back to believing in the true presence, which is really the reason it's being done. What, what's going on with that uh, theme uh, in, in your world, Joe? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Dave. Um, yeah, absolutely. It's going to play a huge part in, in the various events and projects that we're going to be working on and we currently are working on as we speak. Um, where thematically the Eucharist is going to be at the center of that. Um, and we're, we're seeing um, certainly a heightened excitement about even just Eucharistic Congresses that are coming back for in-person, as most of them haven't had one since before the pandemic, which keep coming back. As I say, I can't wait till the day where we can, we can move, we get far enough away from this pandemic where we can stop saying, you know, back in the pandemic or, you know, where, where it was just like it was yesterday. Obviously, we're still dealing with it. On a, but on a much uh, lesser extent than before. But, but yeah, I mean, the uh, from what from what we're working on uh, internally with with different projects and events that we're going to be doing that that, that have that theme, it, it's very exciting. And the 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 length of time, I agree, is, is certainly interesting. But you know, I guess my initial response to your question with with regards to that, and also when I first learned that that was going to be the theme, and for the length of time. It, to me, it made sense. Um, and, and from from my standpoint of what I took from it, whether I, you know, I don't think I read it anywhere necessarily, but I mean, look at what we just went through, where for a lot, for a huge part of the country, um, for well over a year, people weren't able to go to mass or even receive the Eucharist. And so, you know, people, people are hurting. And um, unfortunately, there's there's still, a, you know, a lot of a lot of people that, that can continue to not uh, go back to church and may never, you know, and so whether they're doing it virtually or just com- completely not. But, you know, you can't receive the Eucharist virtually. To me, it is um, I am very excited about it in, from that standpoint, you know, hopefully, um, which I know will be addressed, but really focusing in on how important the Eucharist is in our faith. Like I said, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of events that are being centered on that, whether it be something as large as, you know, different, the, the Congress in Atlanta or, or different Eucharistic Congresses that are on the country, but to, to even something, you know, at a parish level, just having a, a, a you know, a night of um, reflection, if you will, on, on the Eucharist. What is a Eucharistic Congress? You know, what, what is that? I mean, uh, <laughs> Uh, maybe it's a silly question or a stupid question, but um, I'm sure there's people other than me that that uh, is wondering what what is that, Joe? Well, I yeah, I would say um, look it up. <laughs> Find one that's happening this year in your region um, and go. go. Right, yeah, <laughs> um, it, it's it, it's been a um, no. It, it is a uh, it, it's uh, you know. A, massive most of them anyway are, are very massive usually two days worth of uh, presentations and, and and different ministries and organizations are there and so it's it's this it's this you know normal experience that you i guess would have at any sort of conference um but but the theme throughout the entirety 
is on is on the Eucharist, and um, and so I mean, it's I think it's very valuable, no matter what stage you are in your faith journey to to attend one. I have been to two in my life, and um, personally, and uh, it's 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 a wonderful experience. And depending on you know, hopefully you go to one that you will enjoy, so that my words here. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get thrown back in my face because, um, you know, there's a lot that happens. Um, and as you may, as you guys know, with putting on events of any size, things, things can go right and things can go wrong. So, but, but hopefully, um, you know, your listeners will find one that again, that's in their region. They typically do occur during, during like the summer months into the early fall is, is normally when they occur. But, uh, but yeah, again, it, it's another great opportunity to um, learn more about your faith with the Eucharist at its core. And, and then again, being able to see organizations and, and ministries from, in most cases, from all over the country that, that come there to attend and, and present, you know, what they do for you. Um, so again, another great opportunity. I, I certainly never shy away from um, encouraging people to broaden their horizons when it comes to learning more about their faith. Joe, you going to switch gears again. You said that you're mm-hmm. you're a cradle Catholic that you and that you never really strayed from from your faith. Tell me a little bit how that happened because most stories you hear it was that that you know dip in in faith and you know uh, how was it you stayed so so centered on Christ. Yeah, thank you. And, and again, I say that, you know, again, not to, you know, of course, there were times in my life where I wasn't as, um, wasn't practicing my faith as well as I had either previously or as do, you know, currently today. Mm-hmm. But I, I think for me, it, it's, it's really just started with the, the foundation that I, I grew up with and my parents and the way we were raised, you know, it, there certainly was, like I would give an example, like, of course, you sometimes you just feel, especially a young boy, you feel like this is just routine. We get up at the same time every Sunday and maybe once every once in a while we go during, you know, during the week or certainly during Holy Week and different uh, holy days. But but, you know, it's just this routine thing that we do. And um, uh, but but I just never I never really felt I never really felt that way. Um, I never really felt like I was just, you know punching in and punching out now again um certainly gone through the struggles with you know whether it goes to you kind of put it on the back burner you know did i when you're when you're going through uh, high school and you're doing sports and 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 you may get a job and which is what i did and and then going through college and where it certainly isn't the, the, the number one priority but you know i just look at it from we were our family we also you know grew up saying the rosary so having that um, was a huge part of it, you know, having a brown scapular around my neck growing up that way. So those things mattered a lot. Uh, and I know it made a huge difference for me that when I did go through those sort of same sort of struggles or stereotypical time frames of uh, adolescence or, or, you know, the college years where people tend to fall away or there are people that that just kind of go, Oh man, I am taking this and running with it. You know, when they get to college too, you don't hear too much about that, unfortunately, because there are a lot more people than you think that, that do keep their faith at, at their front and center. They did it a lot better than I did. And, 
and still to this day. So uh, for me, it was the sacramentals that really mattered for me that I know now looking back that I think made a huge impact of, of, of just, you know, having a rosary in my hand and, and praying and, you know, looking up the statues and, you know, just having this constant physical representation of my faith, you know, with the brown scapular on my neck and different things. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know why. Um, I, I certainly gave myself plenty of reasons to fall into the trap of not going to church and, and, and different things. But, yeah, I just, I just kind of chalk it up to being taught the faith the right way and being surrounded by people that, that believed the same. You're still surrounded by those people? Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, right. Yeah. I've, I've learned. I, so my wife and I have been married just, just nine years now, just had our nine year anniversary in April. And, um, thank you. And she, she definitely has had a huge impact a lot with, especially with like the saints and having different learning about different devotions and different prayers and things that you can just implement in your daily life that are different than just going than, than going to mass or, you know, or reading the, the Bible or reading the, you know, the gospel of the day or different things like that. Just so that definitely helped a lot. Again, seeing it in practice, you know, we learned about the saints growing up. You know, we had the saint of the day book and, and, and different things that we would read from every day, but, it, um, yeah, having, getting to know my wife and, and, and certainly being on this marriage journey together, I, I am, you know, definitely grown more and more in my faith as years go. Mm. Um, having children that I want to instill uh, and give by leadership more so, wanting to provide that sort of influence to for my children, uh, my young boys especially, and so it's, uh, again, I can just see it kind of coming, I've seen it come full circle and, and everything that I was taught and, um, and then certainly through my wife and, and what we've been able to, how we've kind of done things differently too. Um, you learn very quickly what you did and didn't like maybe growing up mm-hmm. about what, how you learned the face through, through your spouse and, and vice versa. So we've kind of been able to sort of form our own, uh, way of doing things. But to me, I, I just take great joy in maybe maybe see maybe too much focus on wanting to uh impress the faith, impress upon my children the faith because sometimes it takes away from your own mm. personal relationship you know you know you kind of see that all the time where parents they struggle with um you know well i go to church but you know i don't really pray because i got this one pulling on me i got this one needing me to do something this one's kind of acting out there you know crying too hard you know, I don't care if children cry in church, but if, you know, certainly if they're throwing a tantrum or something, I think it's respectful to take, to, to remove them to, to another room if you could. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, so you, you do, you find yourselves having that where you um, kind of feel like you're not really practicing or you're not really saying the prayers. Like you didn't really get through mass and you're like, did I really go? And, but that's, but I can't remember exactly what I've been told about that before, but I've heard from different priests and I know I've read about that it's just, you know, that's part of the sacrifices that we make with raising a family. And, and, and that is what we're doing. You know, we're, we're, we're helping to spread the word of God uh, in that way by bringing our children to church, you know, bringing them to the front of the church, letting them see everything, mm-hmm. you know, instead of going in the back and 
So you have an escape route, an easier escape route if they start to act out. (laughs) Hey, how would you describe your, uh, your spirituality? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I couldn't tell you, I don't know if I know the right term per se to use. For me, I, I am naturally a very sort of task, task oriented and, and sort of disciplined person in that way. So I, I have a process that I go through. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, you know, it's, it's, it starts with that discipline of wanting to make sure that I pray at a specific time every single day. Um, where I can't, whether it's saying the morning prayers and, and, you know, as soon as I wake up to uh, trying to remember to say the Angelus, putting an alarm on my phone when the Angelus hits at 12 and 6 and, uh, you know, doing the rosary with the, with the family and then night prayers with the kids and then going to mass as often as I can. Try to go to mass every day because fortunately I am blessed that uh, my parish is only about five minutes away from my office. So mm-hmm. I usually am able to go first thing in the morning and then start my day. So, yeah, I don't. I don't know really the best way to describe it other than it's, it's, it's very routine oriented. I, I don't, you know, speaking of my wife who, you know, I never really prayed out of a textbook or or out of a missile before, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. No, it makes, Um, it makes total sense. Yeah. So my wife, you know, had lived those experiences a little bit more, which is some of the cultures that she had surrounded herself with, their travels and different things that she did that for me, it was something that was honestly very uncomfortable, very uncomfortable to just kind of just start, you know, to, to meet someone and they just want to just say a, a prayer, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, and talk, talk to, talk to God in that way. I, so for me, um, I just, I did not grow up that way. And it was, it was very different. I have certainly learned to, in, to love it. It's still a, a little different. Yep. I will talk to, to Christ when, or, you know, to God, when I'm in, you know, church or something like that, I'll be praying and different things, but, but still that, that is something that is, I guess that's the best way I can kind of differentiate of what I, what I am most comfortable with and what I do in my prayer life to what kind of throws me for a loop a little bit sometimes. You wouldn't describe yourself as traditional or charismatic. You're just kind of like in the middle there somewhere. I, I would, I would lean more towards the traditional. Yeah. Certainly. Um, but yeah, I would, I would characterize myself a little bit more in that. Sort of middle center. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Uh, Cause I find myself there as well. Joe Higgins. I am so happy you, that you could uh, find some time to uh, join us along the way. I really want to thank you so much for being here. I've, le- I've learned a lot about, you know, what it takes to put on a, you know, a, a conference, having balance in those conferences. And again, I am so excited to be a part of this organization now. Yeah, no, Dave, thank you so much. And, um, you know, I really had a, had a great time. I appreciated uh, you guys' patience again. It was a blast coming on the Along the Way podcast. And uh, I just want to encourage all of your listeners, if they're interested, uh, hopefully, in, in bringing you in as a speaker, just go to catholicspeakers.com and, and search for your your name uh, in the search bar, and, and we'd be looking forward to booking you for, for many events coming up. Thank you, Joe. So for my guest, Joe yeah. Higgins, COO of Catholic Speakers Organization, uh, for my producer, David Imhoff, 
I'm down the hall, Dave, praying always that your troubles be less, your blessings be more, and nothing but happiness come through your door. We'll see you next time.